bonjour and salam alaikum. How are you doing today, people? Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the first live podcast about no BS leadership. So if you like us, tell your friends and colleagues to go over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and to give us a five-star review because listen, the stories we share on this podcast are worth it. We are worth it. Don't you think so? I hope you do. So now let me ask you a question. How often do you truly trust your gut instincts? How often do you follow your intuitions? I don't do it often, honestly. I'm more on the rational side of things. So I would look at data, statistics. I will look at information in order to drive decision, even when my gut feeling is telling me otherwise. And in this episode, we will delve into the art of trusting your instincts with our standout guest, Rachael Abba, a supreme spiritual guide and courage mentor to intuitive women leaders and entrepreneurs. Basically, she is in the business of supporting leaders who feel stuck to gain clarity and peace of mind. So join us for actionable steps and a roadmap to fearless decision-making and discover how to make bold moves, cultivate intuitive choices, and find clarity in the midst of challenges. Hello. Hello, Darin. Bonjour. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> See, I, I love my community. We are multilingual here. <laughs> how are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. This is beautiful. I watch your show and um, you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And as we discussed before going live, I was really looking forward into today's conversation because spirituality and alignment and, you know, that inner strength, that inner instincts, I don't see it. I don't hear a lot of people talking about it, even though I strongly believe this is the biggest piece that is missing when it comes to self-awareness and acknowledging who we are, being aware of our full potential and power. So you introduce yourself as a spirituality coach, but spirituality, I believe, means different things to different people. So what does it yeah. mean to you? Yes. Okay. So spirituality for me, a lot of people, you know, you might think spirituality and religion, it's not the same thing and it's not semantics. There is a difference. And um, so for me, spirituality is simply unseen science. So it's the realm of the unseen. And um, again, you know, uh, it goes across all faiths. It's really about faith and the acceptance that, or at least the acknowledgement that there's more beyond the physical body and there's more room for what you have yet to know. So it's that space of limitless possibility. So spirituality for me, um, I identify as being an intuitive. I identify as, you know, having a, a relationship beyond what I call like transpersonal mind, body, spirit. And um, yeah, so that's what spirituality means to me. What is yet to be revealed, known and experienced. Is that something that was part of you from a very young age or is it something yes. that 
you started to discover and, and gain interest in when uh, becoming an adult? Well, for me, both. It's that and. So as a child, it was just the awareness. You touched on that, Doreen. Um, that awareness, that inner knowing that part of ourselves and that was something that i had even from babyhood i know scientists and science says that you know in terms of like memory and you know you're maybe two years old plus before you have any kind of memory of your infancy your brain is still forming that was not my experience just hands down that was not my experience from when I was an infant, I had, you know, what the elders later referred to as like full spectrum sight. So as a baby, I was very aware of being in my baby body, not being able to speak, not being able to communicate with words, feeling extremely frustrated about it, looking around and just being an observer. And years later, when I got speech, then I was able to communicate all those pent up emotions and feelings and thoughts and opinions that I had with the adults in my life. And they were just floored and blown away. I had full awareness as an infant. And they were the ones who put the timelines on it for me going, but you're only three months old. How could you know that you were only, and I would describe, I would re repeat conversations. So that's something that I always had. And I was very fortunate that I had a mother who encouraged that in me in the sense of listening to my inner voice and trusting my inner knowing and, you know, cultivating that experience of my dream world, right? Being another reality that is just as real as this one and having those conversations with the child in a way that felt normal and felt like that was part of who I was part of my whole arsenal regardless of what I would experience in the world so she had these two conversations with me of not everyone is going to get this not everyone is going to understand this and you know just heads up however within our home you are whole and complete and so I had both. And then cultivating that conversation, moving forward into adulthood, I started to put it together along with experience of, okay, when this happens, okay, there's a differentiation between like gut instinct, inner knowing, voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay. You're, so there are all these different voices that I get to navigate and I support clients in navigating as well. So the gut feelings, let's talk about those gut feelings. Where does it come from and why is it so hard for most of us <laughs> to understand what's happening and to trust it? Yes. Well, there are many, there are many reasons. Each person has their own story. Gut feeling is one thing. You know, whether it be scientists, neuroscientists, you know, new breakthroughs of gut, the, the idea of like a brain gut and having, you know, a lot of decision making that we go through being influenced by the microbiome in our gut. And we think it's our, so we have like a gut brain, we have like a, you know, our head brain. Um, I refer to, you know, having also like a mind brain and like a collective consciousness brain. So there are all these different brains, our heart brain, all these different brains that we can draw from. And in terms of gut instinct, for me, how I experience that is more primal. It's more to do with survival. It's more to do with how do I come out of this in one piece? And um, 
you know, it's, it's connected to that idea of like fear and what keeps you alive, right? Like, how do I keep this host alive? And so my gut, whether or not people listen to it, it has never steered me wrong. Truly, it has never steered me wrong. And the gut feeling I get is usually like a, a pull. It's mm. like this, mm, it's like a hold up. It's like a red flag. That's how I experience it. It's more of a, a red flag, my gut instinct of whether or not to say yes or no, whether or not to cross the light, even though it's green. You know, So gut feelings are usually about, for me, survival and safety and uh, yes or no. It's very primal. You know, you were talking about it's about safety and survival more than fear and, and, you know, red flags. And it's very true because as a woman and a lot of women listening to this uh, conversation, I'm sure will relate. Sometimes you will walk on the street or you will go to an event and you don't know why and for what reason, you know, everything seems normal, but there is something in your gut that tells you that this is not safe for you or, you know, you shouldn't stay next to that person and and even sometimes you know I tell myself so there is this inner battle and this inner conversation where I'm like this person this man uh, has done nothing wrong to me you know he's he looks normal I don't know him so why would I feel that way but my gut feelings would tell me you know this is not a place or this is not uh, an environment for you where you can be safe so get out right and we have no explanation to that Yes. Well, no logical, reasonable explanation in the optics of a situation. That's, that's where the battle comes in, because it often, in my experience, doesn't make sense in the moment. It's very, you know, instinctual. Mm -hmm. And often I will invite you and, you know, I invite myself often to look at, okay, is this a reaction or responds based on like what has happened to me in the past? Or is it something that is happening and it's just data that I'm, I'm not able to, I don't have enough evidence yet because it's about evidence. I don't yet have evidence to make this make sense to my brain. So there's a, there's, a, um, there's a difference. So in terms of the stories we tell ourselves and biases and past experiences that might have been unpleasant, that might have compromised our safety, that's not the same as the gut instinct of for your highest benefit. So when you have no evidence of why this is, that's usually you know, what I refer to as the, the instinct, the gut instinct. However, when it's a story of, oh, I, you know, maybe you had a horrible experience. I was assaulted. I was bitten by a dog. And now every dog sends alarm signals. That's not a gut instinct. That's more trauma trapped in the body. So you get to lean into your curiosity and see, which is it? Like, meet it out. Like, okay, I'm experiencing this. So you acknowledge it. You don't just dismiss it first invitation in is to acknowledge it, that you're feeling your feels, okay, what's behind it? And then you get to unpack it. And this happens very quickly <laughs> in the moment you get to unpack it and then see, is it based on a fear? Okay, no. 
I don't know this guy. They've done nothing to me um, yet. I have this feeling. Do I have any issues, you know, about guys who look like this? Who does it remind me of? That, like you do the whole inventory so that you go in clear. And then, you know, your gut is still saying, go across the room and talk to that person or leave this room immediately. I usually do not hesitate. I am okay with looking completely off my rocker. Like I am completely okay with people judging or because that is of no consequence to me because I have confidence, right? I will bolt out of a room and, you know, once I get the all clear, I will like saunter back in as if nothing happened. And I'm okay with that because that's what I've always cultivated and I lead from. I listen to that voice. Always go talk to that person and I'll go over and be like, full disclosure, not sure why I'm here. However, <laughs> so you listen to, to, to your inner voice and, and I love what you just shared with us. You know, you have to learn to make the difference between trauma and, and, you know, that gut instincts and, and thank you for all the tips you provided us, you know, in order to be able to quickly identify what is this feeling is really about. But you said something at the beginning, you said, you know, you have nurtured that inner voice, that inner strength, uh, you have nurtured that aspect from within. And so how can we do the same? Why is it so hard for us to acknowledge that our body basically, or our energy, I don't know how we want to put it, is telling <laughs> us something and we got to trust it. Yes. And it's, it's, it's really comes down to a worthiness conversation of, you know, and I loved how you started off the show about you being worth it and you being worthy because you are, I am, we all are. And when you lean into your worthiness and you, this is innate, you know, and you trust yourself. See, this is about building confidence, not external. That's what causes the static, the disturbance and whether or not we listen and act on the wisdom of our body or the wisdom that comes with our gut instinct. So when you, so in terms of a practice now, what I did and continue to do is ensuring that I am my word, that I do whatever choices I'm making, whatever decisions I'm making, whoever I surround myself with are for my highest value and my highest benefit. So that I begin to cultivate that first relationship, that primary relationship with myself of trusting myself that I have my back. And once I can enroll myself in knowing that I have my back, that I can trust myself, that is at the root of the word confidence. To be able to confide in yourself and to be able to lean and rely on yourself because you have your back, then your confidence, the way you come out into the world and the way that I get to listen unapologetically to that inner wisdom without you know, thinking I get to explain myself externally, I do not rely in terms of how I make my decisions. I do not rely on elements outside of myself. I have no influence over what happens around me. I do have influence over how I show up and who I'm being and, you know, how I move through the world and how I relate to other people. That's what's within my power. That's what's within my control. So that confidence is innate. It's from within. 
And then I use that to put out outside of myself. And then I, of course, look at data. I take in data. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly taking in data and using that as a reference point based on what I already feel innately. In the world dominated by data and logic, why is it crucial for leaders to tap into their intuition? What practical steps can they take to enhance their intuitive abilities? You know, as a leader, and especially for us women leaders, we have a tendency, not all of us, but a lot of us have a tendency, you know, to to play the part, meaning that we, we want to portray an image that is not especially true to who we are, but that we believe is expected from us, right? From the companies, yes. society's expectation. But then on the other side, we're like, hey, we go by the data. We go by the logic. Society is expecting me to behave that way. The organization, the team I'm leading is expecting me to behave that way. So this is the logic I will follow. So how can we find the right balance as leaders between, hey, this is how I feel. This is what is expected. How can we tap into this uh, intuition? That's a fantastic question. And really, when you look at, and we use the term leader. So for me, A leader is not just someone who's at the head of something, who happens to be the boss of something. That's not a leader to me. That's just someone in charge of whatever. Um, And so when I'm looking at leadership, I mean, leadership for me is inspired, like inspired leadership where you, you know, you, and and this is the thing, uh, most people, most leaders, most innovators, most pioneers and pathfinders and, you know, people we hold up, a lot of their, their inspiration and their, their leadership and their decision-making comes from listening to their intuition. You know, a bright idea, creativity, all of this is in the realm of imagination. This is what, you know, most leaders lean on and people don't question it because they assume because they're a leader, they must be only relying on logic and reason. Not so. They get to be creative. So how does one tap into that? And how does one trust themselves? It is a relationship that you nurture like any other. And as I said, your primary relationship, you know, nurturing that Data comes at us, whether it's like in the realm of reason and logic of what you can count and measure. This is what the world tends to, you know, uphold and celebrate more, whatever you can count and measure. You also have data coming in on the other front that you cannot count and you cannot measure. You connect to and you just receive it like a download as a knowing And then you think, oh, I have an idea. That's what that is. That's data. I have an idea. Oh, you know what we can do? And this is what leaders do. They're extremely creative and they know how to connect and bring out the best in their people. That is not something you can count and measure. That is in the unseen. That's spiritual. And so trusting that, I mean, it's easy to trust a leader, someone physical and tangible in front of you. How do you trust yourself? as a leader? How do you lean into that voice and know that, you know, I can go on that? You already do. It's about acknowledging your process and breaking it down of, 
huh, why that decision? How come? What did, because sometimes you go on like nothing in front, like you don't know and you, and you're like, oh, I'm a risk taker. No, that was your intuition. <laughs> you took a risk and then you can say calculated risk based on the data, but it starts here. Then you go out to look for, you know, evidence and then you put all of that together and then you, you know, go into committed action and people follow and people are inspired. So, you know, there, there are definitely steps that I take clients through in cultivating that primary relationship that can then lead into committed action. The two are together. It's not either or. It's not like you're either intuitive or you only go on reason and logic. No, it's a marriage. It's a harmony. Love that. Fear can be a significant barrier to growth. How do you encourage leaders to confront and overcome their fears, which is kind of in line with just what you just explained to us? Yes. Fear is inevitable in the human body, in this human physical experience. And in my work and in my experience, it's not to overcome fear. It's not to be fearless because um, fear is always in your rear view. Fear is always in your rear view mirror. So it's all about how do I now look at the data, listen to my inner voice and transform fear into fuel. Like, how do I use that fear at the heart of every fear? It's like, I'm going to die, right? I, 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 I can't go up and give a speech because I'll go up there, I'll screw it up. And I'm literally just going to die on the spot. Like there's oh, like every fear inevitably leads to mortal, you know, mortal demise. Um, so fear for me has now become a huge ally. I use fear as a tool. I get behind, okay, what is it really that I'm, you know, what's my worst case scenario? And then I reverse engineer from there and use it as a catalyst for my level up, my catalyst for learning whatever it is. Um, I use it to actually leverage myself rather than let it press me down and play small. I hope you are taking notes, people, because this is very, <laughs> very powerful. So now tell us more about the work that you do. And you know, why did you decide to focus on, on helping women leaders and entrepreneurs? In the world where anything that cannot be counted and measured, a lot of things that, you know, women in terms of our strengths, our, our intuitivity, these things are kind of poo-pooed in you know western culture in specific and i wanted to you know from my experience as well know that you are seen know that this is just as legitimate and valuable a tool in business as it is in your day-to-day -day life and i wanted to normalize the idea of listening to your inner voice and your intuition and then putting that like applying it in ways that you can gain measurable results, whether it be in your teams, whether it be in the deals that you make, whether it be in the opportunities you create for yourself and others for your companies. These are all things that intuition is not simply to be left in the realm of, you know, the, the, the spiritual, the unseen. I wanted to really bring that superpower, because it is, bring the superpower of your intuition and your deep knowing into business 
to be able to give that edge in a way without that stigma of this is how you can leverage your creativity, your insight in a way that you actually gain measurable success. So supporting women, no brainer. We are just absolutely like you raise one woman and you raise an entire nation. So um, for me, that was just what 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 will have maximum impact with ease. And that's how I find my work with ease, working with other ambitious women of faith who have a vision for creating, you know, massive social impact in a positive way for the world. And talking about the impact, what is the the legacy you would like to leave behind? What would you like to be remembered for? Oh, my goodness. Uh, remembered for. Well, first of all, I would love to know that whatever lives that I've touched, I really left them with a sense of being seen and being elevated and that I was able to be part of their story of unleashing their full potential and realizing themselves as a whole and complete being. That would be just on an individual level. And then in terms of legacy and global, I would love to be able to, as I said, bring spirituality out of the realm of what people might think religion and normalize that in our day-to-day so that everyone becomes a leader in their own right. And together we just transform the world. So in terms of normalizing leadership, especially for women, because that's something I found as well, where you say, are you a leader? They're like, oh no, not really. (laughs) No, I just do my little thing over here. No, leadership in the sense of we're all leaders and we get to step into it and we get to lead our families, whether it's our, our families, our communities, in whatever space, lead yourself. And then you go out into the world and be that beacon of light, of transformation, of hope, and just joy in the world. That's what I would want my legacy to be. That's that's beautiful. And this is a wonderful way for us to wrap up this episode. And we hope you enjoy the, the conversation that you and you gain value from it. Rasha El, thank you so much for your time today. I have learned so much and I'm going today. <laughs> I'm committing to myself to start implementing the steps that you shared with us, especially when it comes to identifying that inner voice and acknowledging it and, you know, finding power from within. We need it. We need it. All of us need it. Women, much more. So ladies, please, you know, listen, really listen to this episode as many times as you need because this is powerful and we have that power from within and we are doing this to ourselves because we are not using it most of the time not because we don't want to because but because we don't know how right thank you everyone bye bye thank you <laughs>